I'm Derek Godsey of Vernon, Alabama, amateur investigator who uncovered the true identity of D.B. Cooper, and you're listening to the Gravity Beard Podcast. Time to check show. Welcome, everyone, to the Gravity Beard Podcast. This is episode 37. We're recording today in Studio A. Thank you, as always, to our listeners. We appreciate your continued support. Today, you're finally going to meet our millennial correspondent, Ben Hines. Ben is, of course, a millennial. We're going to discuss what defines the millennial generation and how the future of the human existence is doomed because of them. We also have a bit of a breakthrough that I don't think the academic community has considered yet. Prepare to have your minds blown. This is the Gravity Beard Podcast. Ben, thanks for joining us on the Gravity Beard Podcast. Happy to be here. How are you today? I'm doing pretty well. We're getting together today to discuss the millennial generation. So first off, by age, you are a millennial. By definition, yes. I was born between those years, yeah. Okay. I'm 25 years old. Right. So, but you don't necessarily, we'll get into this later, but you don't necessarily identify with the characteristics that define your generation. That's right. Okay. Primarily the negative ones. <laughs> right. <laughs> of course, no one wants to identify with the negative right. The negative uh, characteristics of any people group that they're supposed to be a part of. Absolutely. Right. Uh, however, you definitely belong to another very easily identifiable group. I can guess what this is going to be. Go on. <laughs> which which group am I, am I talking about? I would say that based on my age, my taste in extracurricular activities, and my facial hair, you were talking about the hipster. That's right. So if someone if someone was to come upon you and didn't know anything about you, they would almost certainly say, "This guy looks like a textbook hipster." Right. They would they would you know generalize me into that category for sure so do you do you identify with that category i think so yeah okay all right which by definition depending on who you talk to disqualifies me from being a hipster if you consider yourself a hipster you are therefore not a hipster interesting it is (laughs) all right i'm sitting here with ben hines ben where did you grow up i grew up in south carolina in the upstate in a small town called spartanburg okay and uh went to school at clemson and came out of dallas after that so you grew up in a small town environment. Not a super small town, but, you know, had a, it had a real small town feel. And so give me an idea of just what some of your interests are. Um, I love the outdoors. I mm-hmm. love music. I uh, also like photography. And with kind of those, the first, second, and third, really, I enjoy travel and kind of putting all those together um, in any way I can. If you look up on Wikipedia, it says millennials are uh, the demographic group that followed Gen X. There's no precise dates, but it seems like it's loosely defined as 1980 to 2000. Yeah. You could say early to mid 80s to, you know, early 2000s. I've, seen, like, I've one, seen as late as 2004. One of the definitions I like is the, the coming of age or coming, kind of coming into adulthood in the early 2000s, all the way up until, you know, 2010, 2015, so that it kind of puts it in perspective of when these people are coming in. I say these people, me included, are coming into the, their adult life. Yeah, it seems like most people that are defining the generation are cutting it off at 2004, 2005. Yep. Here's where the term supposedly comes from. It said that authors William Strauss and Neil Howe are widely credited with naming uh, the millennials. It says in August of 1993, Ad Age editorial coined the phrase uh, Generation Y. In 2012, Ad Age threw in the towel conceding that millennials was a better name than Gen Y. So, <laughs> Which is true. Freddie, so <laughs> it's good branding for a generation. It's, it's, it's much better branding. Yeah. Past director of data strategy at Ad Age said in an NPR interview 
that the Generation Y label was a placeholder until we found out more about them. Hmm. So when you're school-aged, you're not really impacting society yet. Exactly. Right? Yep. So you don't really have to label the generation until it's making an impact on society. That's right. So there's, there's two events, two significant world events that happened uh, in the formative years of the millennials. So if you say they were born in the mid-80s, if you add 16 to 18 years, so they're getting out of high school, that was around 9-11. That completely changed the landscape worldwide in a number of ways. Right. And then you fast forward another few years to 2008, and we had the second biggest economic crash in U.S. history. Yep. Okay, those are two very defining events in the early adulthood period of this generation. Okay, and so coming out of those things, you know, how to, that, that obviously not only did it change the behavior of the rest of society, but it, it changed the behavior of, of that group because that's when you're kind of getting, that's when you're becoming relevant to the economy and society and influencing the world. That's exactly have, when right. You, when you have that ability. And the folks that were getting out of college at that time have probably a very different worldview and outlook on the job market than say someone like me that got out of college in 2014 when we were already kind of back where we needed to be. This is, this is where we get into descriptions and traits. So psychologist uh, Jean Twenge described millennials as Generation Me in her 2006 book, uh, Generation Me, why today's young Americans are more confident, assertive, and entitled, and more miserable than ever before. <laughs> That's a very leading leading title. Yeah. It's also very... I wonder what that book's about. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if she made any assumptions going into that project. Right, yeah. It sounds um, like it. In 2013, Time Magazine ran a cover story titled Millennials, the Me, Me, Me Generation. I can tell you've got thoughts on this. We're going to get right into them. Yep. There's three words. There's three things that, that on the negative side that are, that are used to describe your generation primarily. One is entitled. Mm-hmm. Two is this boomerang concept. And three is narcissistic. Right. And I think the t- uh, entitled and narcissistic often are wrapped up into the same, For sure. same characteristic. Um, I haven't heard the phrase boomerang yet. That's interesting. Uh, have I had, just had my head in the sand or something? I, and it makes sense, but... Have you never heard that term before? Uh, no, I have not. Yeah, boomerang is a term that's used to describe describe the behavior of returning back and living in your parents' home after college. I think the indictment on the millennial generation is that they're doing that at a higher percentage and they're okay with it. In other words, they have no sense of urgency of not being back at their parents' house. It doesn't... Right. So so in other words, in my generation and older... Why would gener- they? <laughs> so... <laughs> So, so in my generation, and again, I'm, I'm not pointing to my generation as being better at all. I'm just, yeah. I'm just making a comparison point. Yeah. In my generation and generations before, it was, if, if you ended up back in your parents' house after high school or college. Shame. There was shame and there was a stigma attached to it. Right. You're kind of a loser. Right. Like the whole, the whole joke about you're living in your parents' basement. Exactly. That, yeah. that was a bad thing. And that's how I grew up. The current generation thinks there's no problem moving back in with my parents. Yep. Me personally, I, I would not want to live with my parents right now. In the way we're going about it currently, it's not a, oh, I like my family. I want to be there to support my parents. I want to be there close by to help out and do this, this, and this. It's more of a, I cannot afford to live elsewhere because I don't have a job or my job doesn't pay much. And uh, so I'm going to live with my folks and, and save up money. I think the reason why pe- people are critical of of moving back in with your parents and not and not having some sort of sense of urgency of leaving right. is because it points to a lack of ambition. Right. And codependency. It's simply based on necessity due to poor planning or whatever it may be. So if, if the words entitled or narcissistic or me, 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 or these types of things that are, they're being, that are being used to characterize the millennial generation, what are your thoughts on that? Um, I can only speak anecdotally. So 
and I have, I can look at these, you know, statistics and that sort of thing, but I also am just speaking about who I know of my friends and how they view the world. And I think that oftentimes it's not the case as a whole. I often do see the me, 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 the entitlement, the narcissism among my friends. And and it could just be that maybe they don't display that around me or maybe I'm blind to it. I don't often see that um, um, as often as I, I, as I feel like I do online or in TV. So playing, so playing devil's advocate, yeah. stereotypes usually exist for a reason. A, stere- a stereotype is, is, a, is a label or a set of traits that are assigned to a people group because of re- examples, re- because of repeated right. and predictable examples out in the world. Yeah. Like that's kind of where a stereotype comes from. Absolutely. So it must be out there in, in some numbers. Otherwise, that stereotype wouldn't exist. It certainly must be. And I also, uh, you know, I'm from the South and I've only lived in the South. I wonder if there's a different set of values instilled in young people brought up in the South versus elsewhere. I also wonder if it's different socioeconomic categories and and, and the way that people are brought up in terms of how wealthy their parents are. Because if you are lower middle income parent and you've got a very small house, you're not going to let your kid move back into you because you can't move into your house because you can't afford it. Well, I think I think stereotypes exist for a reason and sometimes they're very helpful and they are based in truth. They're always based in truth. Right. However, the mistake is made when you take those stereotypes or those truths and you you apply them too broadly. Exactly. Okay. So Samuel DeWitt of Rutgers University said that these characteristics describe white affluent members of this generation, but can't be widely applied. I think he's right. I think he's very right. I think it's important to look at the difference in the way we're studying this generation versus how we've studied previous generations. Now, everyone with a blog is kind of, quote unquote, studying this generation in current times, we are really just kind of uh, passing the same information because it's kind of clickbait, interesting internet material. You know, an HR director is, is going to love to see, you know, what are the fatal flaws of millennials? How do you do this, this, and this? Or a parent who's frustrated because their kid maybe doesn't have a job they think they should have or, or uh, any other reason can kind of look at it and feel validated in their negative viewpoints of millennials. So what, what words or traits would you use to define your generation? I've got a lot of them. I, I don't think that, so we'll speak in generalizations for the sake of the conversation with millennials. Words, I think, describe my generation primarily can be impatient. I think oftentimes that's one of the things about retention and with jobs. Millennials often want to uh, jump from job to job because they're impatient where they are currently because they're not getting the reward that they're accustomed to and really have been raised to get this almost immediate um, satisfaction. Um, so you're, you're pointing to the indictment that, uh, that you're the generation where every kid gets a trophy. That's it. Um, and that I think is probably one of the more accurate stereotypes that I've seen is, um, our generation needs to feel appreciated often. And we need to see our actions, uh, our actions turn into results. We're very result oriented. So confidence turns into narcissism turns into entitlement exactly so there is some truth to it yeah let me put it like that yeah (laughs) quit quick rationally connecting the dots that's not helpful (laughs) so what i want to get at from you is what are the characteristics or the or the words that are used to describe your generation that are actually true actually true in my anecdotal evidence is uh entrepreneurial i think that you know in the uk something like one out of six uk millennials are self-employed. And I think a lot of that stems from um, 
going back to the job market when they were getting out of college, they realized that there was no, no dependency on jobs. You know, they saw their, their parents laid off after being at the same job for 40 years. So there's these lessons that were run, learned through the recession. And I think that encourage entrepreneurial ideas within millennials. Well, um, plus, plus entrepreneurial ventures are more readily available to this generation, right? Because, right. because of, because of technology. Exactly. Um, there's much less, there's a much lower entry barrier to get into an entrepreneurial endeavor. They're entrepreneurial even within their workplace. I think that even if you're not a self-employed individual, the idea that you've kind of got your eyes scanning the horizon and looking for what's next and looking for an alternative uh, way to make money within within your job or outside of your job is a positive aspect of millennials. So, do you think your generation is more? Do you think your generation is more creative and adaptive? Absolutely. Okay. Um, absolutely, and I think that that is demonstrated with technology and entrepreneurial um, ideas playing a role in politics or taking a vested interest in uh, societal events. I think millennials do that for sure, but I don't know if necessarily, I don't know if they necessarily take the same kind of action that previous generations have. Yeah. Research would show that your, your generation is less likely to, like you say, get actively involved. Yep. um, Both, both in movements and, and less likely to, take action in terms of concerns about the environment. Now, if you ask them, do you care about the environment? They'd probably instinctively say yes. And I they're probably going to recycle their styrofoam cup right. or their, uh, their Starbucks cup. But, but in terms of actually actively getting involved right. as a percentage compared to the two previous generations, they're characterized as being less likely to do that. Because it's inconvenient. <laughs> right. Right. Okay. So are you, are you done? Uh, are you done listing things that you believe are true about your generation? Um, I don't think so. Hold on. Tech savvy, entrepreneurial, pragmatic idealists, competent, nomadic, adventurous, impatient, results oriented, collaborative, requiring instant gratification, authentic. Can I throw out a couple more and ask if you agree or disagree? Absolutely. Some research listed that you are less patriotic, but more globally minded, meaning you are you you believe in in, uh, making the world a better place, but don't necessarily think patriotically. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Um, I think that's a true statement. Okay. Uh, what about non-religious? Is your generation less religious than previous generations? I think so, yeah. I well, do. Um, and I don't mean just necessarily that there are more or less uh, Christians or, or Jews or anything like that. I think that participating in religion has declined significantly um, um, between the past generation and this generation. Why do you think that is? Elaborate on that a little bit. I think one of the primary reasons is there's new ways to connect with other humans. You know, I think in a, in a large way, for many, many years, religion has served us as something that can bring people together and be a common meeting, meeting place. And, and I think that in the last couple of decades, those, those have been replaced by other things for this, this generation in a large way. That's just speculation. I just thought about it for the first time, really. But Okay. But, but you, your observation is that's, that may be true. That Absolutely. Char- yeah. That's a defining characteristic. Okay, one more characteristic that I one more characteristic that I came upon was that uh, wellness is a priority for your generation. In other words, wellness doesn't just mean I'm not sick. It means I'm eating better, I'm exercising more, I'm being more active. I care more about kind of the holistic condition of my body. I think the culture and appearance behind wellness is more important than, than previously, and perhaps it is overall. And I think people work out more. 
I think this generation exercises more than previous generations, but I also see that this generation possibly and probably smoke cigarettes more than previous generations, even more, even with all the new research and the, if you ask any single millennial is smoking bad for you, they're going to say, yeah, it's heinous. I only smoke on the weekends. So you're saying you think your generation smokes more than previous generations. I do. Yeah. Because one of the things I came across is that your generation smokes less. Really? Yeah. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying no, no, no. that. I just go back to the uh, quote unquote hipster that right. only eats organic food and will we'll scoff at a Burger King burger, but will smoke a cigarette after getting off work or whatever it is. What kind of cigarettes? American spirits, of course. They're 100% organic natural tobacco. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. I want to move on to your generation's influence on the marketplace. Hmm. Okay. What I'm going to point to primarily is the study and research that came out from Goldman Sachs, which is available on the internet. You just have to Google it, of course. You just got to Google it, man. Just Google it. Ask so, your millennial grandson if you don't know how. Yeah. Ask my two-year-old because he knows how to use an iPad, and that's, I find that shocking. Wow. Yeah, no kidding. He's probably also hyper-intelligent being born to you, of course. There's no question about that. So so that, that, that obviously obviously influences, <laughs> influences that. Thank you for that. Okay, so here's, here's one characteristic of your generation. It says that the millennial generation is the biggest in U.S. history. That's right. There's an estimated 92 million millennials. You guys have a reluctance to enter the housing market. Part, part of that, I would speculate, is just because how many 20-somethings can afford to buy a house anyways? Millennials have been putting off significant milestones like marriage and children. They point to something called access, not ownership. So I say it's not just homes. Millennials have been reluctant to buy uh, items such as cars, music, and luxury goods. They're turning to a new set of services that provide access to products without the burdens of ownership, giving rise to what's being called a shared economy or, huh. a, sh- or a sharing economy. You could say that in, a, in an urban area. I was going to say, this is, but, a lot of this is probably also describing a, like a metropolitan, urban-dwelling millennial Here's another thing that that I've heard come up recently, and I wanted to run this by you to see if you thought this was true about your generation. Does your generation have a defining characteristic attitude towards luxury items? Hmm. Do you think that that's what we were talking about before? It's just because you're you're a generation now in your 20s, and that's going to change when you get into your 30s and 40s? Because you're poor. (laughs) Right. Right. Because you're at the beginning of your career. Exactly. So, duh, you're not buying luxury items? Yes, I think so. And I think that of your generation and before that, the, the luxury outing was, it was a status symbol. Having that Rolex watch was purely a status symbol. And I think that with my generation, status comes elsewhere, whether it's it's experiential rather than material. I think that it's uh, travel and dining and being at the coolest spot. And that's where we get the status from rather than a luxury item. So so your generation is more interested in experiences over things. That's right. And you think that that's a, that's a true characteristic? I think that is a very true characteristic, yeah. What can you add to, the, to this part of the conversation about how your generation behaves out in the marketplace as consumers and, and how it's going to affect the consumer landscape both now and for, kind of for the next 10 or 20 or 30 years? Because that's the one thing that, that as the decades have passed, what people have studied very closely about the baby boom generation because prior to your generation – that was the biggest generation. So anytime you have this giant group of people, you've got to pay attention to how they're going to affect both the local and the world economy, right? And so as the baby boom generation moved through the different seasons of life, people paid very close attention because they were influencing the economy in a major way because of the size of their group. And you have to market to that group. That's exactly right. So tell me about two things. One, how your generation behaves out in the marketplace today and how you anticipate 
how it's going to behave out in the marketplace as the decades pass. Okay. Um, you know, I think that millennials, as we've mentioned many times, they value technology in a large way. I think that um, the te- technological aspect of commerce, in particular retail, is going to be heavily heavily studied and heavily monitored to appeal to my generation. I think that the way that people purchase is going to continue to kind of evolve quickly for a bit. And then I think it'll level out, but you know, I, I don't think it's going to change as much as we think it, as we, as, as people are anticipating it. For instance, I know that a large majority of, of millennials are still going to go into a brick and mortar store to shop for Christmas goods um, and Christmas gifts. Because, because there's, there's different categories. There's there's smaller price point things like day to day items. Right. There's just kind of smaller con- consumption, and yep. then there's larger items like cars and homeownership and insurances and retirement plans and these right. other these other major things that you spend money on. I think that uh, millennials will neglect spending money on these bigger things for a long time, or kind of forego spending money on a new car. I think that you know, for instance, I have a car that I got towards the end of my college career. I'm going to try to keep that car for you know, five, six, seven more years. And I think that that will be delayed for a while. I do think at one point that people are going to realize as they mature and grow older, I don't like living in a studio loft in an urban area. This is very small. and I could be taking this money and putting it into a mortgage once I can get enough money for a down payment or I can, you know, grow my credit enough that I can get a strong FHA loan or whatever it may be. So with that said, I think that there's going to be a time where it's just going to kind of switch and millennials are going to start buying houses. And then there will be more young people to take their apartments they just came from. Or the baby boomers, who are now empty nesters, are going to be moving into the downtown high-rises because they realize, I don't like taking care of a yard. I don't need three cars. We can use one car. So the baby boomers and the baby boomers and millennials are just going to switch places. The next thing you know, the baby boomers will be lining up outside of Animal Collective concerts, making sure they can get the best <laughs> seats. They'll be growing out beards. They'll be shopping at Urban Outfitters. I hope that's true. I hope that's uh, true. Wouldn't that be the day? That and then all of a sudden, day. my generation is going to be sprawling out to the suburbs with uh, our Yukon vehicles and taking the kids to soccer. Okay. I'm going to make an observation that might throw water on everything we've talked about up to this point. All right. So the oldest potential members of your generation right now are in their late 20s, right? Early 30s. Maybe. Yeah. But, 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 I, but I know people that are in their early 30s that wouldn't identify you know, they, they would say that they're just outside the edge and they're probably a tail end of the Gen X generation. Yeah, if I had any, any argument, I probably would not identify either. <laughs> I understand. We, we discussed earlier in the conversation that a generation doesn't get a label until it, till that people group kind of becomes relevant, right? Yep. And which usually means that they're out of, at least out of high school, probably out of college. They're entering the job market and they're, and they're, they're joining the, the, the ranks the of the consumer. Force, yeah. they're, they're joining the workforce and they're joining the consumer population. Right. They're making the, their they're buying choices. Yes. They're not, bu- they're not making purchases through their parents. Yep. They're now making their own independent buying choices. That's right. when you start to define a generation for whatever yep. reason. Is it possible that most of the characteristics that we use to describe millennials is because we're describing people that are 25 or less? So there's an, imma- there's an immaturity asa- attached with, with these characteristics. That, that if, when these people are 40 or 45 that they're going to mature out of some of these things that we're labeling them with? Absolutely. I think that uh, that point is demonstrated with hundreds of years of comments and research on um, the, the criticism and the condemnation from an older generation to a younger generation, that oftentimes it's not because it's millennials. It's not because they were born you know, during this particular event in history or during this time period, but it's simply because we're young. 
in a lot of ways. That's what I'm getting at is that is that generations are labeled with characteristics that really all you're really describing is the latest crop of 20 somethings. Right. And really, you could look at any group of 20 somethings in any period of time and probably use similar terms. Yep. Right. Living living back with your parents, not having ambition. You know, the older generation saying we're all doomed because this is the these are the, this is the group of people we're turning the world over to. They're not interested in politics. They're you know, they seem really immature. We're like, well, no kidding. They're 20 somethings. Right. They're immature. They may be college educated, but they have little to no street smarts because they have no life experience. Exactly. So, so I think I, I guess what I'm making is making a general comment and observation that every generation is indicted with some of these negative characteristics when all they're really doing is describing the current group of 20 somethings. One thing that I noticed uh, through this list I printed out, uh, 15 historical complaints about young people ruining everything, exactly to what you just said, mm-hmm. is that the, the feedback sounds oddly similar to what we are hearing nowadays repeatedly about the millennials. For instance, this is from 1771, self-admiring, emaciated fribbles. I don't exactly know what a fribble is, but I think it's just a, a, probably a, another common ins- insult that I'll be using in my everyday life now. It's not complimentary. It's not complimentary, exactly. Um, from 1780, the total neglect of the art of speaking. From 1904, a lessening sense for both duty and discipline. From 1926, lax habits, low moral standards, etc. From 1859, a mere amusement of a very inferior character. Um, and then finally, from 1853, full of self-content, conceit, and admiration. Yeah, so that all sounds really familiar, doesn't it? It, it sounds exactly what, what we see. They're using older times. language, but it's the same stuff. It's the same exact stuff. So that's why I would observe, you're, all you're doing is describing a people group in the immature period of their life. Yep. It's not, you can't, those aren't labels of a generation. Right. Because I can tell you now, now that I'm 15 or 20 years past my 20s, I, I've heard people use uh, words to describe the describe Gen Xers today that are also used to describe the greatest generation, the World War II generation. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me because 15 years ago, they were using the same terms that they're currently using to describe millennials. Yep. <laughs> and and so, I, so I've got a great sympathy or empathy or whatever Towards the millennials, because I'm now seeing that your generation getting getting harassed the same way mine did. Well, the thank same you way, for that. The same way, by the way, that my dad's generation got, who grew up in the 50s and listened to rock and roll music. Right. And the whole world's going to hell. Right. And that sinful rock and roll music. Yes. They listen to Elvis Presley and and what's this world coming to? And right. So, well, now my dad's 73. Yep. Okay. Well, guess how they describe my dad's generation now. He's the golden generation. Yeah, they're, 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 they're the pillars. They're the pillars yeah. of community. Look what they've done in their life. Look how much they've accomplished compared to this new, terrible generation. Exactly. It's so ridiculous. So I guess what we're discovering in this conversation, which I didn't intend to, but I'm glad because it it's an interesting aspect to it, is that in describing a generation, you have to distinguish the characteristics that describe just any group of 20-year-olds, 20-somethings, from... The characteristics that actually des- describe that generation based on society and culture at that time. Right. Whereas y- your generation regarding those things is probably just behaving in the same way that any other people group would, given the same characteristics. The external effects of society on a particular internal group of people. Absolutely. You're just going through the maturation process like, like right. every other generation yeah. did. <laughs> in all of history. So again, not to invalidate the char- the true characteristics that define a certain generation, 
but I think really what we've discovered in talking this through is that all we're really doing is describing the current group of 20-somethings. That That's it, right. That you're going to behave in a similar manner to previous generations as you move through successive seasons of life. And those seasons may come at different times than they came for previous generations. And I think at some point, you know, we'll, we'll grow up in a way that we start resembling the generation exodus now. And then we'll turn into the pillars of society maybe and, one day. And, and people will be very complimentary and then we'll make fun of the next generation. Exactly. And I cannot wait until I have an opportunity to, uh, to, to roast the next generation under me and talk about how lazy they are. And... I just can't wait to label them. I like to label people. Yeah, everyone. I mean, everyone loves a good labeling. <laughs> no one would say that they don't like to to be presumptuous and label folks and label a whole group based on, you know, a limited experience. But that that's one interesting thing about this conversation is a lot of what we're talking about, and even though we're dismissing a lot of this, it's been studied and compared to previous generations. So, I love the idea that hey, maybe all this this kind of criticism is just because it's just criticism towards a young group of people. But there's interesting nuances that are, are different between this and previous generations that are, you know, statistical and, and, and provable. It goes back to the, the we, outside we, influences and the outside effects on a generation. That's exactly right. It, it's, it's true, except the only thing that's different is that, is that their outside influences are different from generation to generation. They're somewhat different. Yes. In a lot of ways, we can overstate that and they're not as different as we think they are. Right. Right. Uh, I, get, I think that was something that would be interesting that I, I haven't seen in my research I'd like to hear people analyze the baby boomers and the Gen Xers today. Do, do current research and just, hey, what are people saying about baby boomers? What are people saying about Gen Xers? And then taking that and comparing it to what they said about the same generations when they were in their 20s. Or lock that in a vault for 15 or 20 years. And then when I am the equivalent of a baby boomer or, you know, or a, a generation Xer, pull that out and look at those, those descriptions and, and see if that matches who Ben Hines is as a 40-year-old. I want to compare what they said about the previous three generations when they were in their 20s, right. kind of like what you just did. I think we kind of did that in yeah. this conversation. I think and, so. what, and what they're saying about millennials, because what you revealed is they say the same things, just with different language. Forever and ever and ever. Yeah. It's always cool to criticize the generation under you. I don't know. I don't know why. It, it, okay, so that's one thing I don't identify with because the reason I wanted to have you come on the show and have right. this conversation is because I think it's humorous. Yeah, it is absolutely. I made that observation. I'm listening to people talk about millennials, and I'm saying they say that about every generation. And I love how you put me on the defensive early on with certain things, just to kind of <laughs> drag that out of me to see if it's something like you know how much does he identify with this group, all to bring it back all all the way around to say. You know, maybe it's just because they're young people. What would that look like? So really what we're describing is human beings at different ages. It really has nothing to do with generations. Right. There's minor nuances, like we said, due to outside influences. Yep. Other than that, all we're doing is talking about human beings at certain ages. I think we've figured this all out. And I would be shocked if this doesn't go viral. I expect for us to be on Good Morning America within the next couple of weeks. I think you're probably right. As a matter of fact, I feel entitled to do that. I feel entitled to get on Good Morning America. <laughs> if I don't get a call from Good Morning America, yeah. I'm going to be pissed. Right. Yeah. I'm starting a Kickstarter campaign to raise money for it. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write a blog. Yep. I'm going to launch a podcast. I've already tweeted about it. So. Yeah. I've been snapping the whole time. Yeah. The entire time we're here. I don't know if you noticed. No, I don't even have Snapchat. Actually, I haven't. I just don't check it. Okay. The summary at the end of the Goldman Sachs research project basically said this. I want to go through this and I want you to agree, disagree. 
The millennial generation is the largest in U.S. history, and as they reach their prime working and spending years, their impact on the economy is going to be huge. We've certainly talked about that. Agree. Yeah. (laughs) Millennials have come of age during a time of technological change, globalization, and economic disruption. That's given them a different set of behaviors and experiences than their parents. Outside influences. Agree. Just got done saying that. They've been slower to marry and move move out on their own. They're also the first generation of digital natives. For some reason, I'm offended by the phrase digital natives. I don't exactly quite know why. It just sounds like a, like yeah. a real offensive phrase. It does. <laughs> digital natives. I'm going I'm to choose to be offended by that. Yeah, I'm choosing uh, to be offended about that as well, and I'm entitled to that opinion. You know what I'm going to say about that observation? I think it's your two-year-old son who knows how to use an iPad, and it's it, using technology as innate versus with my you know, 60-year-old dad. I have to sit down and show him now, okay, you can copy and paste it by doing this. As where your two-year-old son will learn how to copy and paste by himself. Well, that's probably where the phrase digital native comes from. Right. Where you, you just know it. It's just what it's just already yeah, is what it is. just native knowledge. Ver- versus there's a learning curve that exists that you have to move across. Exactly. I agree with that too. I got to tell you, Ben, you know, of all the research that I looked at, and I know that you did some research as well, I'm not so sure that we didn't come up with just as relevant or just as solid of observations, mostly off the cuff, right. as, as all of these research groups did. <laughs> Probably with a lot of hours invested. I think I'm a sociologist now. <laughs> you, you probably are. As of today. And, and if anything, I think we did stumble across an observation that I don't think that, that either anyone else has or, or no one's really talking about. That and, that's, seen, yeah. and that's that we're, what we're really doing is characterizing a season of life and not an actual generation. Right. I think you're exactly right. I think that's a, a really interesting way to look at it moving forward. And I'm going to preach this from the rooftops. I mean, this is a, uh, this is a big finding. Cool. Well, um, man, thanks for thanks for joining me. Thank you for having me on the uh, on the podcast. This has been a blast. I uh, appreciate that I got to come by. Yeah, it took us a little while to connect, but I'm glad we did. And so, I would say, Ben Hines, thanks for coming on the Gravity Beer Podcast. All right, can't wait till next time. Take it easy. Please stay tuned to the very end of this episode when we play a new song by our old friends, the Hounds of Czar. It's called Chocolate Ice Cream, and it's delicious. Here's a shocker regarding our intern situation. Melinda came to me recently and said she was quitting to work on her rap career. I'm not sure how that's going to work out since she only speaks Latin, but we wish her all the best. So now, our only remaining intern is a middle-aged little person who's threatening to run away with a group of carnies. You can listen to the Gravity Beard podcast on iTunes, Podbean, or anywhere else you consume podcasts. You can follow us on Twitter at TheGravityBeard, and of course, we're on Facebook. You can also email us at contactthebeard at gmail.com. We definitely want to hear from you. Please stop by iTunes to subscribe to the show. Our theme song is Sophomore Makeout by Silent Partner. In the intro, we use the song All Aboard, also by Silent Partner. How great are those guys? You can find both of these songs by searching for them by name on the YouTube audio library. And now we're treating you to Quentin Time by Patrick Lee, CC by NCSA 3.0. You can search for him by name at freemusicarchive.org. I'm very excited to tell you what's ahead on the show. Tune in next week to our mini-sode. We hope to have two of the hosts of the Sipping Sisters podcast on to tell a whopper of a bad date story. But then, on our next full episode, we'll introduce professional merman and children's author Mixter Hyde. Then, believe it or not, it'll be time for a special edition episode, Greg, when we'll celebrate our first anniversary. All that and so much more, this is the Gravity Beard Podcast. It's what your ears will want to be listening to. This is the Gravity Beard Crab Pass.
And now, as promised, here's the Hounds of Czar with their new song, Chocolate Ice Cream. the clouds finally parted Looks like the summer is here We're holding hands in Wayne's garden And the sun is smiling down on me Your love's like chocolate ice cream Your love's like chocolate ice cream You know your chocolate ice cream Chocolate ice cream. We all love chocolate ice cream. 